Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Yeah, the Ric Flair documentary was fire. It's Wes. This came out. It's on Peacock. It's called Woo. Yeah, <laughs> I heard it was. That was good. Yeah, this man said real quick. And Walker. It is called Woo. It's not the most glowing review of the title. <laughs> Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. And like, I thought there would be like a lot of emphasis on the oh, Woo! And he was just like, it's called Woo. Wesson Walker show on a Monday. Panther Monday. Panther fans not feeling so great. There are a lot of fans everywhere not feeling so great, especially when you talk college football. We're about to get into that. Keep the text coming. 704-570-9610. Hit those socials. Hit that follow button. WFNZ on Twitter and Instagram. Shut up. At Wesson Walker on Twitter. Wrong drop. At Wrong drop. Brian <laughs> underscore 72 on Twitter and Instagram. At Walker Mail and at HTB underscore Josh. Yeah, that was a good drop right there. That was pretty dynamic. That cake, he back there stuffing his face. That's why he can't uh, What's hit the, cake the right called? buttons. What's the cake called? It's called a pound cake. You guys called uh, it something else. Before we get started, <laughs> Colin... I'm going to blame it on him because I'm scared of your mom. I'm scared of the lovely lady that is Miss Fonda Bryant. Uh-huh. But it's too good to keep from these radio, from these airwaves, man. Fiddy has a pound cake because it was his birthday yesterday. Uh-huh. He had talked Miss Bryant into baking him a cake. And she said, hey, you got to donate to the uh, nonprofit organization, and we can maybe put some of that information out there, too, because it would be great to do that for the listeners. But all that being said, so she made Fiddy a big old pound cake, Mm -hmm. and it's great. It's legendary around here. Like, no, it legitimately is the best pound cake that anybody's ever had. I, I kid you not. Colin walks in, and he calls it something different. He calls it Keep Pounding Cake. Yeah. Now, it's a great name. The problem was, I think, I think Ms. Bryant just heard that go off in her own head at that time because Wes gave us a very serious look, said she will go off if she hears you talking about keep pounding cake and she might not make it again. So look, we might as well enjoy this big old cake that she made. <laughs> yeah, because this is probably going to be the last one for quite some yeah. time. Yeah, all right. Well, we, we, ap- not having it. we appreciate it either way. It's the best. <laughs> it's the best pound cake that exists. And uh, if we call it Keep Pounding Cake, she might not make another one, but it's damn good. Yeah, I can't wait to hear her response. To that. She <laughs> might just call in with you guys for that she one. She You guys are tongue lashing. Uh, <laughs> all right, well, it's time I'm to sorry. go to the campus. Kona. All right, man, Eugene, we've been talking about Dion and the Buffs ad nauseum, but yes, they definitely got drugged through the mud in their football game versus the Oregon Ducks. They definitely have some more dues to pay. 42 to 6 was the outcome. Let's get to some of the nastiness of this matchup, okay? Through three quarters, Oregon's lead was 42 to zip. The advantage in yards was 481 to 72. Oregon's defense held Colorado to 199 total yards. 127 of those came in the fourth quarter. They had seven sacks, broke up six passes, didn't allow a point until 251 to go in the game. Bo Nix 
276 yards, three touchdowns, 28 of 33 passes. Then when you talk about Colorado's issues this season, Deion said pregame that he needs about seven or eight more dogs before they get where they need to be. And he's specifically talking about up front because Shador has been sacked 22 times this year, 5.5 per game. That is an absurd number. On 14 third down plays in the game versus Oregon, they faced an average of third and 10. And then Colorado finished with only 40 yards rushing against Oregon. You take away the sack yardage, which they had 73 of those. Colorado did just, they only had 113 yards on the ground. So when you deduct those yards, you get 40 for the game. And that number was put up by a couple of Shador Sanders runs late in the game when the game was over with. So, what do we think? Are we still on board? Are the wheels coming off? And then we can get into Dan Lanning's uh, yeah. shenanigans Woo. during the game. What we, we, got? Def- we got the audio, too, so we can play yes, that in just will. a moment. But as far as if I'm shocked with Colorado, no, I'm actually not. It, if you want to say you're shocked just about how badly they got beaten 42-6, to six, okay, it's a big number to lose by. Even with the spread coming in at 21, it's still a big old spread to lose by. But I did expect them to lose this game, and I felt pretty comfortable because it's not like Colorado had been crazy good in all areas of the game against good competition. Against TCU, their defense gave up a lot of points. We know that TCU did not get to the college football championship last year based off of their defense, right? It was because Max Duggan is a Heisman candidate, and they're able to score a lot of points. You give Shador enough time back there, he's going to pick you apart, especially with a Travis Hunter. The next couple of games, you play Nebraska. That offense is atrocious. Sims was the worst quarterback that I had seen through the first two weeks of college football. So you win that game. And then Colorado State, you win a close one. And you're more talented, I would imagine, than Colorado State. That's not to take any anything away from Colorado. It's the real deal, man. They got some talent. Shador is legitimately a top three quarterback prospect right now. But when you face a team like Oregon, who's got a lot of talent too, who's got an experienced quarterback, whose defense isn't nearly as bad as what a TCU might be putting out there or some of the previous weeks, you're going to get drugged through the mud, as you mentioned, on the road. That was another disadvantage for this Colorado team. So maybe I'm a little surprised at just how bad they got beat down, but this was always something I considered a loss for Colorado and why I was not comfortable putting them in that college football playoff discussion. Yeah, I was very surprised at how bad they got beat. I thought this was a team that, you know, they just play with that chip on their shoulder. And so I thought coming into this game, they would cover, but I thought they'd lose. But, man, this one was pretty much over with from the start. After Oregon's first three to four possessions, I was like, yeah, this is going to be a long day for Coach Prime and the crew. But a big topic of discussion post-game, Dan Lanning's comments pre-game, and he had a little bit more for the Buffaloes post-game. But let's hear the pre-game locker room speech that Dan Lanning gave to the Ducks before they came a-quacking. Rooted in substance, not flash. Rooted in substance. Today, we talk with our pads. You talk with your helmet, right? Every moment. The Cinderella story is over, man, right? They're fighting for clicks, we're fighting for wins. There's a difference, right? There's a difference, right? This game ain't gonna be played in Hollywood, it's gonna be played on the grass, right? It's gonna be played on the grass. Now, for one, let me start with this. The only knock I had on this is if you're gonna say they're playing for clicks, then why the hell would Oregon want that filmed and put it out there? Exactly. Come on now. Exactly. We know that they want this to get out there and that message because it went viral. So there's no question that brought a lot of attention to the Oregon program and things of that nature. Okay, yes. 
But a lot of people had issues with it. And we know a lot of people like to turn it into race. I definitely am qualified to talk about that. And a lot of people like to get on there and they felt like Dan Lanning as a white head coach. A lot of people in the African-American community and prime supporters took umbrage to that and had a lot to say on social media. Then you had some people getting even more into this and taking it deeper than rap, so to speak. Uh, I forget what the woman's name was that tweeted out. Uh, what did she say? She said... Uh, Standing up for all of us. This this is what oh, thank you, Dan Lanning, for standing up for all I'll of look us. It up. Come and on, drum, look the it up. Us, definitely big air quotes there. But let me just say this. I had zero issues with what Dan Lanning had to say during the game. It's competitive. It's cutthroat. And folks, when you're playing against another team and they are the ops, so to speak. You're going to say any and everything derogatory to your team to get them going. So I had no issues. It's football. A lot of people don't like to liken it to war, but it's still a war with two teams that are getting out there battling to win. It's vicious. It's nasty. I had no problems with what Lanning said, and now he'll have to deal with that at some point if Colorado and Oregon should meet again and the Buffaloes are better. Then he'll have to back up what he said once again. But, yeah, man, I had no problems with it. Fitty hit the foul line. I'm ready to go. Oh, let's go! They'll look oh. at this to see whether this is oh, a flagrant. No. Mm, that, that was scary. Look at, he's getting loose right now. He's getting loose. got to think that's oh, going to be a flagrant. Oh, my goodness, on a Monday. Is, is it a Here we go. What did you say to me? <laughs> Get him! Everybody that took some kind of happy emotion into Deion Sanders getting beat this weekend, you're lame. Anybody that had a problem with Dan Lanning pregame speech, you are so lame. <laughs> to put it in the words of Jamel Hill tweeting out there, she's heard worse pregame speeches from coaches that would convince their players the other team kicked puppies for a living. They're playing for clicks, not wins. Honestly, that's a bar, even if it is hypocritical. We see coaches <laughs> do this constantly. That You are... Uh, me wearing this pink, bright-ass shirt, I'm calling you soft. Ooh. If you had a problem with that, I'm calling you soft. We know how this stuff goes. And if you took pride in Deion Sanders and the Buffaloes losing the way they did against Oregon, how lame are you to take some kind of joy? It was about time they got beat down. Right. It was about time those <laughs> Buffaloes knew their place and they weren't going to go to the college football playoff. I needed Deion Sanders to stop talking. It's all their fault. How lame are you that you take so much joy into that? The only thing I might understand is if Colorado State fans or rivals want to see Colorado get beat down. But because of the way that Deion was coaching, because of the way that this team was being talked about the way they were, you want to pound your chest over here on the East Coast with no skin in the game whatsoever? And you want to say, yeah, Dion, take that beat down. Take it. <laughs> Ain't no way you should get in the college football playoff. I don't think they're going to be a playoff team, but that's because I'm objectively evaluating what their team consists of. Everybody else took this real personal. It was personal for these other people. If you took joy in Dion and the Buffaloes getting beat down like that, or if you had a real problem with Dan Lanning's pregame speech, I got one word for you, Wes. You're lame. So lame. And that's it for the foul line. Okay. We're off and running on a Monday. I like it. Yeah, man, it was just big, and I knew it was coming. I couldn't wait to hit Twitter or X, whichever you want to call it, as soon as that game was Bring over that with. that music back. <laughs> All right, so real quick, we're up against the break, but – Clemson, Florida State, 
Florida State takes the win in overtime, 30-24. to 24. They get the job done. We're going to hit on this more as the week goes by. But what do you feel like is next for Clemson? Were you surprised with the outcome of this matchup? The Florida State game, I was not surprised with the outcome of this matchup. If you look at Florida State, I had them winning in this game as well. Now, Clemson... I wonder how much the story is actually Clemson playing as well as they did and Dabo holding them back to a certain degree. What was his game management at the end of this situation? Not calling a timeout, play calling, not running up to the line of scrimmage. Cade Klubnick actually playing his best game that we've seen by far this season. The wide receivers actually coming through. The play calling from Garrett Riley. There were a couple of nice routes run in some of these designs. No, it was not a 100% fantastic performance by everybody involved. But Wes, the Clemson Tigers had looked really bad going into this game against any level of significant competition. So kudos to them for playing as well as they did. But Florida State, they dug deep and they did a good job of getting that victory at the end with the help of a missed kick and with the help of Dabo mismanaging this game quite a bit at the end. There were a lot of different things, and I just feel like at the end of the day, Florida State had the guys that were the difference makers. We talked about Clemson being devoid of the T. Higginses of the world and the Sammy Watkins type of receivers out there, guys that can make plays, and I think that's what Florida State ended up doing because you look at a game where Clemson outgained, out first down the nose. Florida State converted only 30% of their third down to Clemson's 42 percent uh the second half though florida state turned it up one at 17 to 7 clemson ran 43 plays in the second half to fsu's 28 and outgained them in the second half as well but the difference fsu had six plays of 15 plus yards when you're talking about passing the ball 172 of those passing yards game were considered big plays 15 plus yard completions to clemson's four clemson did outrush florida state 146 to 22 but when it came down to it. Kalen DeLoach had the big game-changing play to put Florida State back in it to tie it. And then when it came down to it, yes, Clemson did make a kick or miss a kick with a guy who was fresh off the street. I figured that pressure was going to get to him. And then when they got into overtime, it looked like a miscommunication on Cage's throw to end the game. But uh, Jordan Travis said after the game he felt the coverage was disrespectful playing one-on-one. He just threw it up to his 6'4-plus wide receiver, Keon Coleman, got the job done as he became Florida State's all-time leader in TDR. He passed Chris Winky uh, in that contest. Fiddy, I'll let you get a comment in real quick because I know you uh, have picked Clemson to win, but what did you see from that contest? Um, Dabo's dynasty is dead because they, they don't lose these games. And as great as Florida State played at certain moments, I thought Jordan Travis made every big throw he had to make. I'm, Clemson doesn't lose those games. Not 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 when they were a national title contender year in, year out. And I think Saturday was just another example of, A, Florida State's back. They're a real threat to get to the college ball player for the first time in a decade. But unless Dabo evolves, I think Clemson's days of being a top program in the ACC or in the country. I think they're done. Wow. Okay, yeah. We're definitely going to get into that topic uh, more this week, maybe Pretty even more bomb. in this show. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure I can say that, but it'll be interesting to see this offseason what type of approach he takes. But when we come back, we're going to jump back into the Carolina Panthers. How do we compare Andy Dalton's performance to what Bryce would have, could have, should have done? That and more on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. 
So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Justin Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Look, man, I know we'll reference PFF every now and then, but the grades, uh, they just came out. If you are into that sort of thing, you can go check it out, pff.com. If you subscribe, you'll see what is basically a horror story told in great form, <laughs> especially when it comes to the offensive line. Whew, Wes, it's not pretty. Bradley Bozeman, pass blocking grade, 25. Ikki Aquanu, pass blocking grade, 27.9. That is both severely in the red, in case you don't know where these grades are. Overall rank. of a 24. Yep. And here's where we get to the worst grade I think you and I have ever seen. Um, it can't get worse. It can't. Chandler Savala, his pass blocking grade, received a zero. He received a zero in this game against Seattle. It was that bad. Wes, we'll go to a bullet point that we didn't get to earlier in the show. Mm-hmm. You have Chandler Zavala as a guy you're all ready to give up on. Mm -hmm. I will tell you that PFF, you have evidence to (laughs) lead you that way. Why? You look at the left side of the line. The left, I mean, look, I know you were talking about even the left side is is not, you know, much worse than the right side. Mm -hmm. Man, I I disagreed with that a little bit. I understood your overall point, though. Man, the right side of the line, especially when Corbett comes back, especially when Corbett comes back. It's going to be night and day what that offensive line looks compared to what the left side is doing right now because Icky, with all his false starts, not protecting at all. The run blocking, it's okay at times. It wasn't good in this game for Icky, but it, we've seen decent grades for him. Mm-hmm. But, man, that left side of the line, it cannot protect, and that's why we're worried about the two NC State offensive linemen they drafted in back-to-back year. Well, I'll give you a couple of guesses for what Chandler Zavala's pass blocking grade is for the season. Oh, is it? it's got to be below 30. Okay, I'll give you two guesses. What you got? 25. Okay, wrong. Well, uh, lower. Uh, 18. Wrong. It is a 6.2 on the season. Clown he show. He got a 27 grade overall. They have him down for giving up 24 pressures, 14 hurries, 7 hits, and 3 sacks so far in the season. And so the thing with Chandler Zavala, the reason why I'm ready to get out of that business is just because – how it looks. I, I say it all the time, man. If you're battling and holding your own and you get beat a couple plays, so be it, man. You're, you're learning. You're a young pup. But the way it looks with him, man, I mean, he looks like he's on skates. Guys, as soon as they snap the football, are already just giving him the business. You just see his shoulders move. I don't know if you guys remember the, <laughs> the old dance, the Harlem Shake. He looks like he's Harlem shaking off of the snap because it's like, oh, 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 oh. You're saying that it looks like LeBron James in the face of the camera in the heat <laughs> locker room doing the Harlem shake yes, with the throw. Yes, on. except from the back because 
Guys are just putting hands in that chest, man, getting by him on moves. He is just severely outclassed when he is out there playing football right now. And so that hurts you as well because that was a position of need with the injuries that you had. You felt like maybe you had something there with him being a fourth-round pick, and he was the guy that was rising up boards as the draft got closer and closer. But we saw in the preseason when he came back because now we have five games roughly of a sample size for him. And while you say that might not be the most games to be able to judge a guy, but especially with offensive linemen, if you know the playbook for the most part, then it comes down to strength and agility and all of those physical things that they judge before the draft. And so for him right now, man, it's just not adding up. I mean, you give up 24 pressures. That is pretty much as soon as mm. the ball snap, your guy is causing ruckus and you are the weak link by far. Now he's definitely got some company with guys because Icky's holding it down so far through three games with a 48 grade as well. But this offensive line, they're just not uh, cutting it right now. Taylor Moten's the only one with a grade in the green and he's got a 68. So you're not talking about a sterling performance from him. So things just are not looking up on this offensive line. But as far as Chandler Zavala goes, at this point, man, you have to say it looks like a miss. Um, I have a bunch of notes, obviously, right down watching the games. And in the second drive that the Carolina Panthers had, I wrote down Chandler Zavala getting beat on a third and long when they brought the blitz. What's frustrating about it is the blitz is not what got to Andy Dalton. It was Zavala getting beat straight up. It wasn't them bringing added pressure. In fact, Chuba Hubbard did a good enough job picking that up to allow Andy Dalton some time. But then when you try to step up, go more towards the left, because that's where there wasn't a blitz coming. Nope, Zavala, he lets his guy roll through. It's bad. It's not. It. He gets a lot of reps on the right side. Austin Corbett having already been someone hurt, we knew that was going to happen. We did not expect Brady Christensen to be hurt and out for the season after week one. So Zavala goes to the left side, but we already know this is where he's most experienced in college, playing alongside the left tackle that is here and with him at NC State through the first couple of years that he played there with the Wolfpack. And it still isn't going well for him. I, I think everything can be true. The guy was injured in training camp. That probably did a lot. In terms of the lack of improvement there, the lack of getting ready, he was all he was hurt through it, so he didn't have those reps, and he might still. I hope he's not playing hurt, but there was a couple of things holding him back, getting fully ready for this season, and man, that's bad. It still is a lot worse than what I expected. So the injuries, we can look at a lot of them. They've experienced a lot, but the offensive line is the biggest deal. Austin Corbett going down, not being ready for at least the first four weeks. We have one more game against Minnesota before he's eligible to come back. Hopefully he's ready by week five because they desperately need him. Brady Christensen goes down in week one. Man, those are huge, Wes. Not having Corbett, not having Brady Christensen with the number one overall pick with a backup QB like Andy Dalton coming in and playing well. The highest graded player I'm not surprised about in this game against Seattle. The offensive line injuries have killed him. They've killed him. And then you come into this football game, 31 pressures you allow, 22 hurries. I mean... That's just drop back and, and hope for the best at that point when you're being pressured that much in a football game against a team that we talked about coming into this game. Only had two sacks on the year. Only ranked 31st in total defense. So this defense was nothing to scare anybody. And as Dennis Green would say, they let them off the hook and allowed them to be able to just 
intimidate and be able to just disrupt everything that Carolina wanted to do. And they still scored 27 points on the game. So Andy Dalton was over able to overcome uh, the lack of performance from the offensive line. Texas, how you feel about Andy Dalton going forward and what they should do with him? 704-570-9610. I thought he was very good in this game, Wes. A lot of people saying that he gave them the better chance to win. They'll feel vindicated after what he did against Seattle. And yet still overall, we're feeling poorly because it wasn't Bryce Young, the number one overall pick, playing very well. We talked about it to open up the show. We talked about it last week. I was fully prepared to have Andy Dalton start his first game this season against a Seattle defense that was not as good as New Orleans or Atlanta's. Atlanta did a good job holding Detroit to 20 points. It was the offense scoring six as to why they lost this weekend. Detroit, a good offense, held them to 20. Falcons defense is for real. We know about New Orleans defense. Yes, they allowed 18 unanswered to Green Bay, but when you only allow 18, I think that's a pretty solid day for the defense. Seattle, they had allowed a couple of big old performances to opposing quarterbacks with Geno, or excuse me, with Matthew Stafford and even Jared Goff. When they won, it was Jared Goff doing a good job against them because that offense has been very uh, high-powered as well. You look at what this defense with Seattle has done. They've allowed opposing QBs to go off. I don't think this is a 100% reason to bench Bryce Young if he's healthy next week. I'm still putting Bryce Young in there week four, and we can tip our hat to Andy, uh, tip our hat to Andy Dalton and say, hey, fantastic performance. You played... You know, you played really tough. You completed passes downfield, but I'm still rolling with Bryce Young. And so I was asked on the text line by Toby. He asked me to compare Carolina's offensive line's performance to somebody else. When you talk about from an analytical uh, standpoint, I, I think he's talking about the offensive line anyway. And so when you pick a performance, and I just picked the best one of the day, no question about it, the Miami Dolphins and what they did. Uh, zero sacks allowed, one hit allowed, zero hurries allowed, one pressure allowed. So that gives you a little bit of context and only four penalties uh, on this Dolphins group yesterday. So I guess if you want comparisons of how the best played and then one of the worst performances of the day, uh, there you go. But the thing is, it's just as to the to-do list. And so a lot of people are looking sideways at all of this because regardless, if Icky doesn't hit, People are looking at Fitterer. Then you're talking about this offseason having to revamp pretty much an entire offensive line. Uh, we'll see how things come back when Austin Corbett returns. But you're pretty much going to have to revamp this entire offensive line based off what we're seeing right now. And so that's definitely another daunting task to the offseason that you're not going to have the most capital you could have to be able to help fix. Well, I mean, we don't even have to go to the best offensive line performance of the day. Let's just go to the other side. Let's just go to Seattle yeah, and see what it. they did. I mean, the left tackle, right tackle, on the edge, they got pushed around and they got beat because of the speed that some of the Carolina Panthers defenders have. So Brian Burns, Derek Brown, I thought they both showed up yesterday. I thought Brian Burns even more so than in week two. Week one, Brian Burns got off crazy. But in week two, a little bit quieter. And then this week, I thought Brian Burns provided actually a pretty decent amount of pressure. Same thing with Derek Brown. I thought Derek, he's he's been balling lately. I think he balled in this game. Just Kenneth Walker, when he got outside, he was breaking tackles. That's just how it was. But when you talk about the defensive line, that's an interesting thing here. That was a big old fear for any Panther fan out there, not having a pass rusher opposite of Brian Burns. But if you look at what... 
Justin Houston has been able to do. I thought he's been pretty good this year. He's been he's been flashing. He's been yeah. popping up. Yeah, if you look at and and plus even with Houston, really what we care about is a pass rushing grade for him, just how he's how he's doing getting after the quarterback and in this game against Seattle, I thought he did a decent enough job. Brian Burns certainly I think did. It, we know about Derek Brown, but my point is that's actually not as much of a weakness as we thought. We thought that might be one of the biggest reasons Carolina loses games, but mm -hmm. what they've been showing is an ability to get after the quarterback, even if it's not the top two guys on the defensive line. How about YGM being a little active? I, I There were a couple plays he's in he the backfield. He showed his face. He said hello. Yeah, some, the advanced stats don't show that he was amazing, but this is where, I mean, you can, you know, trust your eyes on some of this. It's not like he was great, but there were a couple... We haven't even seen flashes before of YGM really like that. Maybe a couple, but in this game, you got a few. It was just tackling has been poor. The secondary, Dante Jackson, did not have a good game. C.J. Henderson is somebody that you have to rely on. Xavier Woods goes out with an injury. That's tough because he had been playing some excellent ball. You don't have Shaq Thompson, who even if you like Frankie Louvu as a better linebacker, Frankie Louvu is very good. Shaq Thompson's still an emotional leader, a play-calling leader, which matters, and an above-average linebacker. The injuries are really hurting this team, Wes, and I think that is something. You can be mad at the Panthers. You can be mad at Scott Fitter. You have every reason. You have every reason in the world. Plenty of evidence on your side of the argument. We do have to account for the injuries affecting this team in a big way at a bunch of different areas on the football field. You certainly do. And then there's also a part of you that wants to say, okay, this is the NFL. Everybody's got guys hurt. I mean, coming into this game, it was a mash list uh, for the old school heads out there that watch a little bit of mash. And uh, But <laughs> it was that's bad. Very, that's like TV land. Yeah, school. it was bad. I don't watch that. <laughs> but it was bad for Seattle and Carolina both. They each had a ton of players that were missing from this game. And I said on Friday it was going to be a war uh, of attrition, and Carolina lost some key players, especially losing a Frankie Louvu in the midst of a game. That's a guy that you don't want to miss at all. But Carolina, they're getting it from every angle, whether it's injuries or on-field play. Um, let's go to some of the texts. I ask you what we should do with Andy Dalton. Bagel guy wrote in in all caps, trade Dalton to the Jets, especially if you want some draft capital. If the Jets are desperate, Andy Dalton comes out here playing the way that he has. I have no problem doing that. What's the most you think you get for him? I don't think you get any higher than about a third rounder. Ooh. Yeah. I, yeah, they're not trading. They're not did. trading a first rounder but for not, a quarterback not, that not old. Not a first. You might get a second because Joe Douglas's ass is on the line this year. Oh, they're desperate. I don't think it's crazy. It's a lot. It's a lot to get rid of for a backup quarterback. He's I, not a backup, though. I mean, he would start in other areas. Well, okay, on this team, he's a backup. Mm -hmm. He's probably a what? I don't not not to have a real quarterback debate, but are we comfortable with saying he's somewhere in the bottom third of the league at starting QB? Is he better than Jared Goff? No, he's not. <laughs> I mean, I, I love Jared Goff. He's better than Andy Dalton. Yeah, I put Andy Dalton at this point. I mean, you can't have him much higher than, what, 26, 27? But played well. Starters? But played well yeah. against Seattle. You know, this is the tough part is this is the position you're in. I don't want Andy Dalton starting over Bryce Young if everybody's healthy. Now, if the offensive line, this, this is where it gets to be tough, though, I, I will admit. If the offensive line has three guys that just can't protect and you just throw them out there to – put out bad tape, then there's a real conversation. I brought it to you last week. If we get to week eight, somewhere at the midpoint of the season, and the offensive line continues to put out three guys that just can't protect, just can't do it, 
because we've seen it the last couple of games so far, then is it still worth it to throw Bryce Young out there? I, I think you have to start really considering that. I'm not saying do it now. Against Minnesota, if Bryce Young's healthy, I'm starting Bryce Young. That's going to be the case for me in week five, week six, week seven. Once you start to get to that midway point, maybe even a little deeper, maybe you get 75% of the way through the season, whatever, right? Then I think it's a real question you have to ask yourself if all you're doing is throwing them out there with guys that can't protect and continue to get bad grades, whether you agree with the advanced stats, whether you just want to go based off of the eye test, whether you just want to go off of what is very easy to tell traditional stats. Hey, this offensive lineman allowed two sacks and whatnot. It's a conversation we're going to start to have a little bit more so. Well, one of the things yesterday's performance shows you is that it can be done. Like, granted, yeah, this defense isn't the greatest in the world, but it showed you that numbers can be put up. You're not going to play against the top defense every week. Yeah. And so I think it showed you that it can be done. And for that reason, I say you go back to Bryce Young and you let him play. And if it gets towards the end of the season where you do want to protect him a little bit, maybe don't want him to sustain an injury that could carry over into next season, all right, if you want to sit in the next game or two, fine. But I think football character plays a lot into stuff. I think for some guys, yeah, of course it can be some shell shock. Uh, after having a season where you really get beat up. But I also think that a lot of rookie quarterbacks, that's kind of a rite of passage. That's kind of how it goes. You're going to take those tail beatings to start your career. You're going to get sacked. You're going to get hit. It's going to be nasty games, but you figure it out. And so I, I, and that's just a train of thought. I think it should be with the quarterback. Like I said, if you want to get towards the end of the season and maybe sit him to avoid injury. But I think at this point, if he's able to come back in the next week or two, you put him back in there, especially if the record's not where you need it to be. He's got to learn on the field. The protection will eventually get better, hopefully, if you're able to draft and revamp this offensive line, however way you choose to go about that. But it's not going to – the days will not always be this way. And so I think – them learning how to play during these types of tough times can bode well for you down the stretch. All right, we have a wide receiver conversation to have a little bit later on in the show as well. Let's get to the first Fitty Flash of the day, though, before we move on. What you got for us, Fitty? It's all right to be a little Fitty. A little hometown or a big old city. Might as well share, might as well smile. Life goes on for a little Fitty. Why? I'm bringing good news to Panther fans. It could be worse. Um, you could be the Chicago Bears, who were down 34 to nothing at halftime. And uh, it's becoming increasingly evident that Justin Fields is not a starting quarterback in the NFL. Or you could be the Denver Broncos, who are 0-3 just like you are. And they gave up a whopping 70 points yesterday to Miami. The Dolphins became the first team to rush and throw for five touchdowns in the same game. They scored the most points uh, since Washington scored 72 against the Giants all the way back in 1966. They totaled the most yards in an in a, in a NFL game since 1951. And through three games, the only team to have scored more points were the 1968 Cowboys who scored 132. These Dolphins had scored a 130, and they did so yesterday without Jalen Waddle. We'll talk about it a little bit more, but I did want to get to your message and the graphic that you sent in the direct message group that we have on Twitter because I was looking at it too before you sent it. How about Mike McDaniel? A photo of him looking so <laughs> 90s teenager-esque as the ball boy for the Denver Broncos at that time when Mike Shanahan was coaching. He had two earrings, real clean-shaven face, looked like he was about 15, 16 years old. And that guy 
who did not get an interview with Denver when they were looking for a head coach, goes to Miami and puts up 70 points. And as Fitty said before we started the show, they laid off. They could... They put their, they took their foot off the gas. They could have scored possibly 80 if they really wanted to. Mike McDaniel had to address it after the game, saying we didn't just want to put up points for the sake of putting up points <laughs> if it felt like it was rubbing their face in it. They could have put up 80, Wes. It was hilarious to see. Yeah, it was. And I never thought I would see a college football type of score in the NFL like that, man. I mean, the NFL, you would think the defenses are complicated enough. The coaching is good enough to avoid those types of outcomes. But when Miami had 35 in the second quarter, I was looking like, oh, boy. And then once they got to 60, I was just like, wow. And so for them to get 70 (laughs) in an NFL game, what else can you say, man? I mean, that's the most dominant performance, at least one of that I've I've ever seen. Certainly one of the better things we saw all over the weekend. I want to give that same assignment to Fitty. He tells us his favorite things that he saw over the football weekend. It's next on Wesson Walker. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. We were talking just about how lame coaches have been this weekend. (laughs) I thought thought all that, maybe not even just the coaches, but the discourse surrounding the Oregon and Colorado game. I went to the foul line on that. I thought that was real lame with everything that was going on. And we disagree on this a little bit. I want to get to Fitty's favorites, but just a real brief thing about Ryan Day's comments towards Lou Holtz. Sure. I thought Ryan Day, like, after a big old win on the road, you want to use your mic time to go after Lou Holtz, who everybody was joking around is asleep because he's 86. Uh-huh. You want to talk about, oh, is Lou Holtz, or is our team tough enough now? Man, you want to take a victory lap? Oh, I, if we didn't have Fitty's favorites, I would tell you to bring up the we second We got the live line. wire next segment. Just save it. Yeah, we'll okay. save it. We'll right, save all right. it. All right. All right. I'm sorry. All right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just Ryan Day. Lame, too. That's the theme. Yeah. A lot of things that were lame this weekend. Not these favorites, though, Fitty. What were some of the favorite things you saw over the football weekend? All right. Well, I will provide an injury report from Frank right before we get started. He has none on either Xavier Woods cj henderson or frankie louvu so uh, he just he never knows anything does he? <laughs> nah, he never knows what's going on um all right <laughs> my first favorite thing from the weekend and the fact that it is 149 and we're just now discussing this means i need the panthers to start winning so we have some fun conversations uh drake may's left-handed touchdown pass um Reminding those of us here locally in the studio uh-huh. and nationally. Wait, you're going to point at yourself too, though, a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. Okay, I was about that, to say. Uh, he's still that dude because um, that was 
Porn might be too strong of a word, but I'm going to use it anyway. That was porn on the football field. I'm going to do like, uh, I'm going to use the walk of mail moment here. I think that puts him at what, uh, 12 touchdowns, eight interceptions in his last eight games, I think I would say. So, I mean, it was Wait, a, no, oh. no I'm going to do like a, no, 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 no. I hadn't got to my walk of mail yet. I was about I'm to say, say that's a you thing. No, no, no. I'm going to get to my walk of mail. It was a great play against Pittsburgh in a game they should have won. <laughs> That's what I say. That's a walk of mail right there. Give you a backhanded compliment. I'm just going to tell you right now. <laughs> I think top-notch quarterbacks are top-notch. Uh-huh. I think middle-of-the-road quarterbacks are middle-of-the-road. Yes. Put Drake, it on the wall. Drake May made a top-notch play. But I'm telling you what, man. I'm all – yeah, look. How could you not be all – like, I, I really can't watch Drake May play, even with the awful interceptions. But I had admitted every single time we talked about it, the week prior – Oh, those were right to the defense. He was panicking, trying to make a play, going down. You should just eat the football, but instead you throw it right to the other team. Those are plays that can absolutely come back to bite you and lose you the football game, which need to be cleaned up. But, man, I this guy throws the ball downfield, and he's going to complete a pass. Some guys are wide open, completes it, hits him in stride. Some guys are covered, completes it as long as there's any sliver of space for him to complete it in. If you look at context, there were a few plays where they get lined up with inside the five-yard line because of throws that got him into scoring position, and then you hand it off to Omarion or Drake May. I'm going to go West thing here. TDR for Drake May. Three <laughs> touchdowns that he accounted for. Yeah, I got yeah, to put that rushes. number at 14, not 12. My bad, 14. And, and a couple eight, of a TDR, couple, three of them, right? A couple touchdowns that he ran in for. One throw, zero interceptions. I thought Drake May was sensational in this game against Pittsburgh. And just for y'all, too, when uh, uh, Jordan Travis broke the record, they did say touchdown responsibility record. Oh. There you go, TD. day. Uh, the ABC crew. Okay. Did, that was the graphic. That was the graphic that they put on Florida State did too. All right, moving on because these are a Wait, are you, favorites. But, but I want to hear what your thoughts on the play were. Oh, the play was fire. Okay. I, I said on Jeff's show that, man, he's got one of the most eclectic group of highlights you'll see from a quarterback from him getting hit last year against Miami and throwing the ball, falling away for a touchdown now, the left-handed pass. He's got some freaky highlights. There's no questions about that. All right, let's move on rapid fire. We got some time, though. What you got for us next? Another guy who has a eclectic highlight reel <laughs> is Washington State's quarterback Cam Ward. I often have said on this program that Michael Penix Jr. is the best quarterback in college football that no one talks about. Penix. Uh, no, it's Cam Ward. There was a point in the game. He had accounted for five total touchdowns and over 400 yards of total offense with three incompletions as he led the uh, the Cougars to a 38-35 win over DJU on the Palouse. The Pac-12, I said last year, and y'all didn't agree with me, they have the best quarterback play in college football. This year, it's not a question. Caleb Williams, Shador Sanders, Michael Penix Jr., you got Cam Ward. It's just, oh, if you're not staying up late till 1 a.m. in your underwear watching this brand of football, (laughs) you don't love college football. Yeah, I got to give it up, man. Cam Ward, 16 TDR to zero interceptions right now, (laughs) 74% passing. I mean, he is playing big-time football, as you said. The Pac-12, that race is going to be one of the fun ones to watch in college football, and the quarterback play is outstanding. Yeah, it should set that conference up well for years to come. Should be a real strong the conference. ACC, the ACC definitely, uh, we, we've got a stake in the claim of quarterback play right now, too, though, compared to the Pac-12. That right, could speak- be a fun topic we have later in the week. Yeah, speaking of the ACC, 
is there a team in the ACC where their reign at the top of it is coming to an end? Fitting? Yeah, look, I know Wes isn't ready to, to, to seal the deal on Davos <laughs> Dynasty being done. And I know with the 12-team playoff, the Tigers are going to go to the playoff probably just about every year. But Clemson fans, we told you to enjoy the run of going to the playoff and winning national championships while you had it. Because you're not Alabama. You're not Ohio State. You're not a program that's going to do it basically every single year. And the last three years have pointed towards that being true. Dabo's dynasty as being the premier program in the ACC and being a national title contender, they are done. And it's a beautiful thing to watch because <laughs> there is not a bigger shot, <laughs> oh, no. fraud, jabroni in college sports since What's your major? Coach K retired as Duke's head basketball coach. I mean, I disagree 100% now. Do I think Clemson <laughs> is back to national championship levels? Not at all. But I think at offseason with a little bit of tweaking, I think he's going to take uh, even more from this offseason to get this program better. But I can't say that just yet. I would have to see a repeat next season of them losing to a team that people didn't think they were going to lose to in the ACC and then losing to Florida State yet again before I would feel, feel like making a defense statement like that. What, what's crazy? But it's teetering. What, what, what's crazy is we were all worried about Cade Klubnik, and I thought he played pretty well for the most he part. Was he wasn't amazing. I thought he was straight in the first half. And and threw for 200. There's yeah. another backhanded compliment. But yeah, well, we threw for 280 <laughs> yards, and he didn't have any interceptions. Did have a fumble at a key moment for the third time in four games. So clearly, clearly, Cade is not playing at top-notch level. But I thought he made some good throws, especially in he the did. first half. He, did. he allowed them a chance to win in Florida State. They weren't clicking on all cylinders in the first half. I just keep going back to Dabo Sweeney at the very end, playing for a field goal and not managing the time right and possibly being the reason that this team lost. I've seen some Clemson fans on this text line, Wes, saying, I want all the smoke for Dabo. Today. Dabo. I don't want it for the players out there, which they did want it for previously. I want it all for Dabo and mismanaging the game. I didn't know what he was doing at the end of all of that. Yeah, they definitely had their issues down the stretch, man. There's fingers to be pointed everywhere. And so at the end of the day, they still had a chance to come down if the kicker makes the kick and they have a chance to win this football game. That didn't happen, and so uh, now they have to salvage what's left of their season. All right, let's go to break. Real quickly, we can bring up the 925 text. ACC talk and not mention of game day coming to Duke football for the first time ever. Yes, that's going to be a lot of fun. Notre Dame heading to Durham. Despite Notre Dame's loss, Duke won, so it's still going to be an excellent matchup. That will be a fun game day edition Um to get ready for this weekend. So no we'll question. be talking about it all week long and even then some. So it should be a lot of fun. College football conversation the rest of the week. Let's go to the live wire coming up next. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.